I'm here to see Mr. Clampett. I'll let him know you're here. Thank you. What happened to the podcast? I just found it and I was enjoying it. Love hearing the point of view from someone in my area. Damn, I don't know, dude. Mr. Hernandez? So how have you been, really? I'm doing better. The flashbacks aren't happening as often, which is nice. Some days are better than others, but I'm trying. What have you decided to do when you're feeling down? Uh, I get my dog and we go for a walk. Helps me get out of my head a bit. You know, I had started doing podcasting before coming here. But I wasn't sure if it was for me. If I was doing it for the right reasons. I don't know. Just felt selfish. Why did you start the podcast? I've always wanted to show off my creativity. Never really could figure out how. I don't know. I always think a lot of people see the world as black and white. And I wanted to show people other perspectives through sharing stories and the gray areas that can exist in our world. That doesn't sound selfish at all. That's you valuing connection. Huh? What you just said. There's nothing selfish behind it. You want to connect people through sharing different perspectives. Well, when you put it like that... I think it's a good thing you found a creative outlet. If you find that you like it, you can stick with it. If not, well... It isn't the end of the world. Uh, thank you. I'll keep that in mind. Well, that's our time. You have anything else you want to share? Uh, not today. Thank you. You're welcome. Let me walk you out. By the way, what's your podcast called? It's called As the Pokeball Turns. It's a Pokemon Go podcast. It's been ages since I've heard about that game. It was all over the news and people were everywhere. Yeah, that's the one. People still play that game. After all this time. Yes, Mr. Clampett. People still play this game. You should check it out. I don't know about all that with my bad hip and all. Fair, fair, fair. Just remember what we talked about. Trust your gut. You have good intuition on things. Thank you. I'll see you next week. I will be back next week. I had to take care of some personal things the past few weeks. Thank you for listening.
Welcome to As the Pokeball Turns, where the stories are real and people still play this game. In the beginning, there was silence. Let me ask you this. In the beginning, what did you think was the first sound? What did our ancestors think when sounds went into their ears for the very first time? As time progressed, we eventually were able to harness sounds into rhythms and melodies of what we know today as music. From Beethoven and Mozart to the Beatles and Journey, music has become a significant way humanity has artistically expressed emotions, thoughts, and feelings. When it comes to music, my guest has found a way to incorporate his passion for Pokemon with music to help his students become more engaged with his music lessons. He is a creator for Pallet Town PvP. Here is his origin story into the world of Pokemon Go. This is his and Ryan. Today, I'm joined by one of the creators from Pallet Town PvP, Hisu and Ryan. Ryan, welcome to the show. Hey, David. Thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. So obviously, you know, your background is PvP, but there was a period before PvP even existed. Right. And I got to ask, like, when did your journey in Pokemon Go start? Oh, man. I was a day one player. Very excited when I saw the announcement about Pokemon Go. Like, little nine-year-old Ryan, his head would just explode. Because, you know, I was playing, like, Pokemon Yellow was my first Pokemon game. So started playing day one. Played for about a year, 2016, and then it got a little bit stale. So I dropped out like a lot of folks did and came back in 2019, right around when they released PvP and kind of slowly got into that and been playing really strong ever since then. So when you dropped out, was it just because there just wasn't much to do like everybody else? Or Yeah, exactly. Um, I think raids were about the most exciting thing. There was no battling and they were releasing Pokemon a little bit at a slower pace. If I remember back then, like they'd release like a whole generation and then it would be like that for like a year. Right. And so, so yeah, it just kind of staled out and then PVP really brought a lot of life to the game. When Pokemon Go first came out in your area, like where was the place to go to? Like where did people gather? Ooh, man, I was in Houston, Texas at the time. And I remember just seeing people everywhere. Like I was out by a community college campus and just dozens of people, you know, walking around, you know, you could tell they were throwing balls on their phone screens. There's a Memorial Park over there is just this massive park. And nowadays it's got tons of Pokestops. I remember running for a Gyarados back in the day when the game first came out at that part. I was really fortunate to play in a big city when the game came out. Definitely. And I think there's a huge difference between a big city and maybe like a very suburban area because you get yes. all the stops, the gyms, the spawns, and you Absolutely. also have the community usually. Yes, the community, huge part of it for sure. So you come back in 2019 and you say it's because of PvP? Yes, yeah. I had been playing the game kind of on and off, but when I came back in, I was actually not that interested in PvP. It was more shiny hunting. So I got into shiny hunting. My friends started playing as well, so we started playing together a bunch. I actually got into PvP because I really wanted uh, Jellicent, and that was the only way to get it at the time, was to hit rank 20 and get the Frillish from the GBL reward. So it was sort of a slow boil, but staying strong now. I gotta ask you real quick, since you said you like shiny hunting, like what Pokemon did you like to go after? Like what are your favorite shinies off the top of your head? Ooh, oh man, what a question. What a question. Man, these days it's things like Rockruff. Really loved shiny Miltank, so just got that from the Go Battle Day. That was a huge hunt that I've been going for. I really like collecting the shiny legendaries since they've made those a little bit easier to hunt with the easier shiny rate. 
but you know, nothing, nothing feels quite as good as that full odd shiny in the wilds, man. I think those are my favorites. It's just that moment of surprise where you're not really expecting the shiny and then you get those sparkles on your screen. Now, you said you're familiar with the main series. Did you shiny hunt in the main series as well? I didn't. I actually did not know that shiny Pokemon existed until they until I stumbled upon one in Pokemon Go. Really? <laughs> yeah, so, so I had no idea. And my first main series shiny wasn't until Pokemon Sun when I finally figured out the shiny hunting mechanics and grinded down a uh, shiny Palosan. But yeah, I had no idea that shiny Pokemon even existed until Go. <laughs> That's crazy. You never played Gold, Silver, and Crystal? Because that's usually where most people experience their shiny Pokemon. I didn't, no. Oh, wow. That's how. Yeah. Dang, that's crazy. And then just Pokemon Go really kind of sparkled, I don't know, sparkled (laughs) your interest to shiny hunt more. Yeah, man. I just love this idea that like you have to do this physical real world activity like where you go out and explore and on a rare occasion, you know, that one in 500 chance you'll get this cool reward for it that you get to enjoy and maybe bring into battle later and like, you know, tell a story about, you know, what other game has that. I think that's super cool. Yeah, that's for sure, especially when you go to Nest or... Like, for you, Miltank is a very rare one. Like, because mm-hmm. you can't find a Nest for that. Right. You can, you're either instructed with a random spawn or research or raids. Yes. And that's about it. Right. So, obviously, you eventually move into PvP. Mm-hmm. What was it about PvP that made you want to be so invested into it? I really like the sort of a chess-like strategy where you're making these split-to-second decisions in the moment, and I just really like the strategy of that. I know, like, Psyonix said once a long time ago that it's a knowledge game, right? So the more knowledge you have, the better at PvP you're going to be. And something about that just really agrees with the way I like to play games. So memorizing like all the different ways the 18 types interact, like that by itself is a big endeavor. And then, you know, learning like how when you swap in, that takes one turn of time. And then you have to count for that in your charge move timing. Like all the little detailed mechanics, I think, are just really interesting and a fun challenge to try and get better at. Do you have a favorite league you like to battle in by chance? Ooh, man, I am a sucker for Open Great League. Like I am plain Jane Open Great League all day, man. Um, (laughs) I just kind of like the Wild West feeling of it. Like you never quite know what you're going to see. It's the league I've practiced the most in. It's what I specialize in in my factions. I'm the open great league guy. So, yeah, give me that open any day. What factions are you a part of? I am in the Pallet Town Red faction. So it's an absolute blast, man. That uh, The team component is just so fun. Like getting to battle with your friends in your ear, you know, once a week. It's just a blast. In your opinion, what does factions offer that maybe GBL or even regular Show 6 Pick 3 doesn't offer? I would say it really gives an opportunity to dig really deep into your matchup because unlike other Sylph tournaments, you're allowed to run simulations and you're allowed to talk to your faction's teammates about how to play, what lead to run. I mean, they can even be looking up move counts in the middle of your match. And so I can spend a good two hours studying the simulations for my team against my opponent's team. And I feel like by doing that, I've really been able to wrap my head around the game a lot more. So I think it's just a really great opportunity to really dig in deep. How has Palatown PvP been able to improve your battling skills? Man, just having a really supportive community in my corner... 
you know, we've got channels where you can ask any kind of question and people aren't going to make you feel stupid. They're going to give you like a detailed answer, like more than you might expect. Right. So just having that community in the corner. And then we run lots of events from practice tournaments. We do an ultra league draft once a season. And so we just get a lot of battle practicing in and fish on a heater, sort of the captain of the ship, so to speak. He runs lots of streams where he'll break down the next meta that's coming up along with Lyle's Jeff. He's a really strong leaderboard battler. So all of that combined makes it feel a lot better than battling just sort of by yourself. It sounds like Palatown really focuses on trying to not only provide events for people who are part of the server, but also build each other up and be able to match people where they're at. Like some people who just barely start, people who are maybe a little bit more seasoned, and then you've got some of the super experts are also in there as well. Is that fair? Oh, 100%. Yeah, there's just a whole range of folks. We're getting new people in all the time. That's something that Fish really wants to champion is creating this sense of support and community no matter what level you're at. And you're also one of the creators for Palatown PvP. Yeah. How did you become a creator? Man, that was sort of a fun, slow boil as well. I started off by doing editing, and that's another part I really love. Being a part of the Pokemon Go community is some of the behind the scenes stuff I've gotten to do. So yeah, so I've done some editing. Fish runs some of the Gym Breakers competitions, which is international PvP competition. So he often hosts some of those streams and had asked me to do some video editing for those. And I had a lot of fun with that. Decided it might be fun to dip my toe in streaming myself. And so Fish offered the opportunity for me to do that on the Pallet Town channel. And it just kind of started to take off from there. And you get more and more involved in different projects. And so, yeah, so that's how I got my start and I'm loving it so far. Was this like your first time ever streaming ever, or did you used to stream before? Yeah, no, this is my first time ever. Wow, um, dude. Yep. Mm-hmm. Were you nervous on your first I, stream at all? I was, man. It took a good like six or seven streams to get comfortable, like sitting and talking to a camera that's not talking back at you, you know. That was really strange at first. And so it took a little while to get my sea legs there, but it's really fun. You know, now it just feels like you get to hang out with your friends to play video games after work. Very enjoyable. That was the same issue that I ran into when I started my podcast. Because like you, I have nobody coming back. Mm-hmm. So it's just like, <laughs> you got me. you have a chat, so you kind of get a little bit of feedback. Yeah, I have sure. nothing. And that's one, I can imagine that's one of the biggest hurdles for everybody who starts out with streaming or whatever to kind of overcome. Like, I'm not talking to myself. I'm talking to an audience. For sure. For sure. But I'd say if you're interested in streaming, like just jump on in and if you and see if you like it. You know, you don't have to have like fancy overlays or a perfect setup or anything. It is a lot of fun. Once you get used to it, it is a ton of fun. Without a doubt. So one thing that's unique about your stream is that you actually incorporate music. Yes. Why did you do that? Like, why did you incorporate more specific, I guess, the piano? Yes, piano. So actually, that's my career. I'm a piano teacher. I've got my degree in piano performance. And I just love it, man. I love sharing music that people haven't heard before. You know, being on stream, it's sort of a unique opportunity to do that and take a little break from the battles, you know, once a set or something and and play a little piano. And I'm huge on music creation. So I teach my students how to compose and how to improvise. And actually, we incorporate Pokemon. I have Pokemon badges. They're like little enamel pins. And so I'll pass those out to students as they complete different challenges once a month or so. 
And so, I don't know, I just, Pokemon and my piano studio are sort of ingrained. And so I wanted to kind of do the reverse and integrate some of my music into my Pokemon streams. So these pins you talk about, you actually give them to your music students? I do, yeah. So I'll buy like a 20 bucks for a set of full generation of pins on Amazon. I'll get a box for each new student. And like the first one is about like warming up. And so they have to warm up four days a week for three weeks in a row. And if they can manage that, then they've earned their first badge. And I, like I've renamed it, like I call it the limber badge because like you're limbering up your fingers, right? But I'll make this kind of big deal. It's almost like you're in the Pokemon world, right? And you're going to the different gyms. And so I want them to feel like, you know, I'm the gym leader and awarding them this badge because they overcame the challenge, right? I just want to make it really fun. Dude, that sounds awesome. And I would imagine you have some students who are diehard Pokemon fans as well. They are. They are, man. I'll, uh, every now and then we'll take like a break in the middle of our lesson and I'll show them like, hey, you can name a shiny in my Pokemon Go account. And uh, <laughs> they, oh, they, that's so they, sweet. They, uh, they love it. They're obsessed for sure. I'm not going to go through all the badges, obviously. Sure. But what's the final badge? What's the eighth badge? Ooh, so that one, I call it the Rockstar Badge. And to earn that, students have to complete the 50 days of practice challenge where they have to play music literally 50 days in a row, no excuses. They have to teach themselves a song because that's the whole purpose. I've designed the badge program to where it leads them to how to teach themselves music without anybody's help. So that's sort of the ultimate goal. But that one's the hardest one to get. So I haven't had anybody quite make it that far yet, but I'm excited when they do. Oh, so not, not all the students progress to badge eight. It's usually they get as far as they can when you have them. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so it just depends. Sometimes students don't stay long enough to get through the whole system because it'll probably take a good 18 months to earn all eight badges. So I want it to feel like this big journey that they're going through. And I want them to feel really proud at the end of it. So going back to your stream, the one thing that you do is, I guess people will pitch out names and Uh that's how you play on your piano. Yeah. So I've got a redemption where I will take your username and turn it into music notes. And so I've got this, it's a, a sort of a teaching gimmick that I use with my students, but it's a little code. The notes on the piano only go A through G and then they repeat. And so it's just a little guide that turns like the letter J into one of the letters I can play on piano. So I'll take your username, I'll turn it into music notes, and then I'll create an improvisation over what that turns out to be, whatever notes those come out as. So as we've discussed before, you've actually agreed to be able to play the piano keys on... I got three names. Okay. And you've agreed to be able to, I guess, off the handle or improvise a tune around the word. Yes, happy to. Let's do it. The first one, I'm going to make it simple. Let's do your name. Let's do Ryan. Okay. Now the next one, it's my favorite Pokemon, Articuno. Ooh, 
Articuno. Oh, that's cool. All right, I'll have to do some icy winter wonderland kind of sounds. Here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And this third one, Niantic, please fix your game. Oh, no. Oh, man. Okay, this is a fun one. This is a fun one. All right. Niantic, please fix your game. Okay. Thank you, Ryan, for definitely showcasing your talent on this show. I'm really impressed by it. And I hope you had fun with them. I know there are three random ones for sure. Yes, absolutely. Tons of fun. Love it. Love it. If people wanted to get connected with your content with Pallet Town PvP, how could they get a hold of you? By all means, please plug away. Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Hisuian Ryan and Pallet Town as well at Pallet Town PvP. That's Twitch slash Palatown PvP as well. And you can find me there and in our Discord. Those are kind of all the places I'm hanging out. Awesome, man. And I'll make sure to include links of everything he just said down in the description of today's episode. Thank you for listening to another episode of As the Pokeball Turns. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite podcast app. Remember to give the show a rating of five stars. If you want to do four stars, sleep on it and come back tomorrow. If you're feeling eh with three stars, come back in about two days. 
If you think this podcast is like McDonald's with two stars, come back in about three days. And for some reason, if you feel like you can only give this show one star, come back next week. Because no matter what, each road should lead to five stars. Until then, I'll see you next time. Here's a sneak peek for the next episode of As the Pokeball Turns. Hello, Dragon Tamers, and welcome back to another episode of Enter the Dragonair's Den. As always, I am Taco Dog, joined by the legendary professor, Jet Force Gemini. <laughs>